Uh, we're in the second week of a series called Realm. This series is about spiritual warfare. And uh, I encourage you, if you didn't catch week one, uh, maybe some, some point today or some point this week, uh, catch us on podcast or YouTube and check out week one. Last week, we talked about exposing the enemy. Um, how many of you know, just show of hands, that we do have a spiritual enemy and um, everything is not what we see. As a matter of fact, everything is what we don't see. And so uh, I just encourage you to go and check that message out. And uh, it, it helped to lay the foundation for today. Today, I want to talk about what it looks like to, if you need a title, to defeat the enemy. Defeat the enemy. So I encourage you to open your hearts, open your minds, get ready to take some notes. I want to equip you today to uh, engage spiritual warfare, defeating the, the enemy. The Bible is replete in its... Uh, acknowledgement of the enemy's existence. Uh, we would otherwise call him Satan or the devil. Um, and we talked last week how uh, Lucifer used to be his name, but he's a fallen angel. And uh, the Bible teaches that when he fell, he deceived one third of the angels. So uh, it's a lot of spiritual warfare going on. So the enemy is always on the attack. He's always attacking our minds, our peace, our joy, family, our finances, our health our relationships, but the Bible also teaches, this is the good news, is that in Christ, you have, if you're a Christian, you have the advantage over the enemy. You, you are already a victor. Um, Jesus said that he who is within you, if you have the Holy Spirit, he who is within you is greater than he who is in the world, and the Bible teaches that Satan is in the world going to and fro, so you have the advantage in Christ. Whenever you read the Gospels or about the life of Jesus, Whenever he confronted the devil, uh, he always had authority over the enemy. Amen. As a matter of fact, Satan can't do anything in your life without God's okay. And so on one end, Satan is there to tempt you and to discourage you. But um, different side of the same coin, God is using that temptation. He's using it. God doesn't tempt, but he uses it to test you. And both sides are trying to prove what's on the inside of you. And uh, if you pass the temptation or if you pass the test, you elevate in the spirit. You elevate in your walk with God. And so um, he's on the attack, but you have the advantage and you have to be aware of the advantage so that you know how to engage. I love this uh, Old Testament story. It's in the book of Second Kings. Someone say Elisha. Elisha is a prophet of God and a powerful prophet, powerful man of God. We we gave our baby boy the middle name of Elisha, powerful name, Judah, Elisha. Just that combo there is powerful. And so it's important what you name your kids. Just kind of pro tip, throwing that out there. Um, it's prophetic in a sense. And so I don't have time to deal with that. But just know that it's important what you name your kids. Um, so Elisha had an assistant whose name was Gehazi. Um, Elisha had a national man mantle. So he was a big-time prophet, big-time man of God. But he had an assistant named Gehazi, and Elisha was in the middle of a battle, and he was surrounded by the enemy. And so instead of getting all anxious and, and worried and depressed and, you know, kind of, you know, off, he, 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 this is so, this is powerful. I want to read it. It says this here, uh, 2 Kings 6 says, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. So the enemy was everywhere. And it says this here, 
Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Don't be afraid. I know the enemy is strong, but God is stronger. I know the enemy is great, but God is greater. Don't be afraid. There's more on our side than it is on theirs. All right, and, and he says this here. I love this. This is what I've been praying for you all week. I've been praying for you all week. I would say two or three weeks given the series is two weeks long, but he says this. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes. Like, like let him know the reason I'm just chilling. Right. Open his eyes and let him see. The Bible says that the Lord opened his spiritual eyes. He opened his eyes. And when he looked, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Can we praise the Lord? Those are those are angels filled with horses and chariots of fire. So the enemy is surrounding us, but God is surrounding the enemy that surrounds us. And uh, he got them closed in. And so it's an ambush. Someone say an ambush. All right, let's get it. All right. So but this is what I've come to find out is that the awareness of your advantage should lead to action. The awareness of your advantage should lead to to action. And so you may be in Christ. You you may be a Christian. um, But how many know that even though the devil is defeated, you can't just sit back. You can't just sit down and. Say, you know, God got it. Jesus paid it all. You know, no, you you have to engage this warfare. And today I want to give you seven ways to fight back. Today I want to give you seven ways to fight back. So last week we exposed him. This week we're going to show you how to defeat him. Because um, he is a defeated foe. But his defeat is not yet complete. And it won't be until Jesus comes back. And it's kind of like when you're in battle, you can't uh, you can't get too comfortable, even though your opponent is wounded. You got to bind them up. You got to tie them up or for lack of better terms, you got to take them out. You got to take them out. In our case, when it comes to Satan, we don't have the authority to take out Satan. Only Jesus does. But we can certainly make sure he doesn't gain any momentum in our homes and in our marriages, in our health and all that good stuff. So the first way. To fight back is to, number one, pray. Pray. And, and I would go as far as saying at least four to five of these seven you can do daily. And prayer is one of them. I've come to find out in 16 years of following Christ, seeing the enemy pick at just about every area of my life, my home, my marriage, my, my health, my kids' health, my, my, my wife's health, every area, I've come to find this out on any given day that prayer could be the difference between victory and defeat. It could be the difference. Prayer could be the difference between victory and defeat on any given day. Uh, prayer is the difference between anxiety and peace. You want peace, right? So when, when you pray, you enter into the presence of peace, right? It could be the difference between wisdom and making a foolish decision that you're going to regret for years. Prayer is the difference between honing in and being at ease when you would otherwise want to let, let this thing go and that could mess things up. So you got to pray. It's the difference. And every day you got to pray. I pray every day at least at least five minutes, three times a day. 
I pray in the morning, afternoon, and in the nighttime. Sometimes you can go three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. It doesn't matter how long it is. It just matters that you're intentional about getting into the presence of God. So prayer is this. Prayer is slowing down to enter the presence of God with honor, honesty, and hope. Prayer is slowing life down. So putting away the phone, getting away from friends and family. Jesus calls it your prayer closet. He says, go somewhere private. Husband, wife, kids, get them out. Mom, dad, get them out. Get in the presence of God. And what you're coming with is you're coming with, you're coming with honor. Jesus said, what, the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. Right. We honor you, God. I honor you today, Lord. I lift you above every everything in my life. You come with honor. Then you come with honesty. Right. Lord, I honor you. Lord, these are the things that are on my heart. This is what's going on. These are the things I'm worried about. These are the things I'm fearful about, Lord. And I know you know, but it, it does me good to, to speak it out and to, and to let my emotions out. And you can handle it. My, my wife can't handle it. My husband can't. My children can't. But you can handle these raw fervent emotions, Lord. So I just want to be honest. God wants your honesty. God wants your rawness. God wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear what's on your mind. And then you end it with hope. But Lord, I know you're a redeemer. And I know you're a healer. I know you're a provider in Jesus' name. And, and you, that's what it is. It's slowing down with honor, with honesty, and with hope. And it says this here in Psalm 138, verse 3. As soon as I pray, as soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Satan would otherwise want to keep you weak. But it's in prayer where you find strength. How many can attest? Just show of hands. When, when you're done praying, there's a peace, the Bible says, that surpasses understanding. You're like, I, I, I'm still up against that situation, but now I have the peace to think clear. Right. I'm still up against that thing, but now I have the strength to go back in on it another day. Right. There's a strength. As a matter of fact, doctors, a lot of doctors are beginning to prescribe prayer over exercise. It's crazy. They're beginning to prescribe prayer over prescription medication because the science, the science here, a few things. If you're taking notes, science now confirms that prayer here it is lowers blood pressure. that's kind of common sense now, ain't it? It lowers, right? Prayer, prayer, here it is. They also find out that it keeps negative emotions at bay. It helps you get rational again, right? Prayer also, they're, they're coming to find this out, strengthens the immune system. It's prayer. It's prayer. Someone say prayer. prayer. So, so, so prayer is essential. It's essential in this warfare. It's essential you pray every day. Number two, turn. The second way to, to fight back is to turn. I want to ask you this question. What area, or ask yourself this, what area of my life dishonors God? What area of my life dishonors God? And this is for believers in Christ and people who don't. I just want to bless you with this, right? Whether you believe in Jesus or don't, right? What area of your life dishonors God? And you'll sit there and you'll argue and say, well, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. All right, well, let me ask you this. Is it right or wrong to run a red light? It's wrong. 
Even an atheist would say it's wrong. What did, where did that moral code come from? It came from within. It's called conviction. And so the Bible says that even as an atheist, you know what's right or wrong because God put it there. Now, ask yourself this. Hold on. Ask yourself this. What, what area of my life dishonors God? Because where there is dishonor, there's the invitation of destruction. Right? The, the Bible calls it a foothold for Satan. Right? So a door in, in you know, the, the, where the door closes, the Bible says that Satan gets a foothold where there's disobedience. And he's able to get into your life and wreak havoc. Right. So so this isn't a message about like, you know, you'll be punching Satan in the face. I've come to find this out that um, we are the greatest agents of Satan in our own lives. Right. Last week we taught that he's a liar and his greatest weapon is suggestion. But we are his agents. Right. A lot of times the enemy uses self to destroy self. Right. So where in my life am I dishonoring God? Where in my life? Is, is not bringing glory to God. Is it in my mindset? Is it my attitude? Do I harbor this cynical, negative, woe is me, victim attitude? Is it my speech? I'm talking to myself too. Is it my speech? Right? Is it my habits? Right? Right? Where am I dishonoring God? Because it opens the door for destruction. I, I wish I had an umbrella. I was, I, you know, if you could go with me here, think about it. So if, the, if, if we know that there's a law that states pretty much like if we're under an umbrella, we increase the likelihood of staying dry when it rains, right? But if we were to disobey that law and say, well, you know what? I'll still stay dry. I don't need this umbrella, right? I don't need, I don't need the word of God. The word of God is the umbrella. I don't need the word of God. Let me, we know it to be true that if we step outside of that umbrella, we're getting wet. Right. We open the door for the spiritual realm to attack us when we disobey God. So we need to remain under God's law, under his principles, under his word so that there's favor and there's strength because your obedience is the foundation of your strength. Right. And so what what Satan has done is he's made obedience not sexy. And he'll tell you, don't obey God is fun or not to. Right. So we want to remain obedient and we want to turn. So thank God in his mercy. He gives us an opportunity every day to turn, to turn. The, the fancy word there is repent. Someone say repent. repent, repent. And this word means to have a change of mind. By the grace of God, have a change of mind about that dishonor and to turn to God. And, and, and this is what the word of God says. If my people will humbly pray. And turn back to me and stop sinning, then I will answer them from heaven and I will forgive them and make their land fertile once again. Right? So, how do I turn, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Number one, identify the dishonor, call it out. It's it's in this relationship with this man who's not my my husband, with this woman who's not my wife, it's in this habit. It's in my negative thinking. It's in my attitude towards this person. It's identify it, right? And then confess it. Someone say confess. Yes. I'm giving you gold today. Confess, Lord, I, I've been doing this. And I want to be free. 
I confess this sin to you. I give it to you. You are righteous. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Confess. And then once you confess, you say, Lord, I'm turning to you. I dedicate my life to you in this area. I make you Lord of my life in this area. And the Bible says he's going to make your life fertile. He's going to bless that same area where there is dishonor. He's going to bless. He has a plan for that area that you continue to dishonor him in. And you'll begin to peel that back. Number three, forgive. Y'all okay? Forgive. Forgive. It's important that you forgive. We live in a broken world. And once again, the enemy uses people to hurt us. He's used us to hurt people. What we attest. I don't got a church today. I'm the only one up here, Lord, confessing. I've, I've hurt some people. We can't walk around with this victim crap like we ain't never hurt nobody. We ain't never cussed somebody out. We ain't never done nothing wrong towards anyone. We've hurt people too, right? The enemy has used us to hurt people too, but, but people have hurt us. And let me tell you something about the devil. He, he will take that hurt and what his end game is to make you a bitter person so that you will hurt the next person. All right. That's his end game. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. So you give him an inch, he takes a foot. You give him a foot, he takes a mile. He never stops with you, but he wants to turn you into an agent of someone who hurts other people. And so the word of God says this. It says this in Hebrews. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. He wants to get that root of bitterness in you. Here it is, and this is the goal, corrupting many. Right? And, and, and so you, you, you got to forgive. Someone say forgive. forgive. You got to forgive mom. You got to forgive dad. There's nothing worse in the world than a bitter Christian. I love Jesus. But on the side, people looking at you like, you nasty, though. You mean. You sipping on lemons all day. Just, you just mean. And for some of us, that's, that's us. I believe, you know, he's going to church with me and, and new series, goodness gracious. You put on Instagram, you put on Facebook. But people looking at you sideways because you mean at work and you're bitter. And, and it's all because you, you haven't forgiven someone who's hurt you deeply. Right. We should walk around. We should be the most joyous people in the world. We should be the most peaceful people in the world. We should be the most happy people in the world. We have the Lord Jesus Christ that we served. He, he rose from the grave. He sits on the right hand of the Father. We're going to heaven when we die. There should be nothing bitter in us or about us. We have everything we've ever needed in Christ. We got a roof over our head. We got clothes on our back. We got breath that we breathe. We have our strength. Come on now. God has been too good to us. So we got to forgive. I'll put it to you like this. God forgave you. So what we got to do is we got to take that credit we've received and we have to impart it into other people's lives. Right? We're, we're quick to go to God. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm so sorry. Right turn, right? So sorry. So sorry. But when someone crosses us, kiss the ring. Maybe I'll forgive you. No, no, no. We got to extend grace. Someone say extend grace. grace. Extend grace. The Bible says this. It says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. 
So, Pastor, how do I forgive? I'm glad you asked. All right. So this is what you do. Okay, here it is. In prayer, guys, in prayer. And this is daily. You release people from your spirit. When you're praying, that's a part of the Lord's prayer. And Lord, forgive us our sins, turn, that we may forgive others, right? So, that, that, you know, so, so really, Lord, and this is how you release them. You name them. Father, Joe did this to me three years ago, and I'm still carrying it in my spirit. It bothers me. And then you name what they did, right? Joe did A, B, C, X, Y, Z. I release that. And then the next part is you bless him. Don't just forgive him, bless him. Now, Lord, I, pr- I pray blessing over Joe. I pray favor. I pray for his salvation. I pray for his health. Lord, bless Joe in the name of Jesus. That's where the release takes place. It's when you, it's when you bless it's when you bless. And then you begin to start the healing process in your life. And the Holy Spirit begins that process of uprooting that bitterness. Right? It's a supernatural thing that the Holy Spirit does. But we have to act and we have to play our part. Number four, fast. Fast. Fasting is the denial of physical food to draw near to God. And petition him to move supernaturally. Fasting. Someone say fasting. Fasting Fasting in the spiritual realm is a secret weapon. As a matter of fact, our Lord said it in Matthew. He said, when you pray, when you fast, when you give. So as a Christian, we are expected to what? Pray, to fast, and to give. So it's not an if you pray. If you fast or if you give as a follower of Christ, Christ said, when you pray, when you fast, when you give and fasting is a secret weapon in the spiritual realm. What is a secret weapon? Well, it's something that gives you a major advantage over your opponent. It gives you a major advantage over your opponent. So every January we we fast and pray for 21 days. We want to start the year out in the presence of God. We want to petition God supernaturally to move throughout the year. In August, we fast and pray for seven days. So we put, put in the middle of the year. And then as a Christian, the, the church is supposed to get you started. But you're supposed to be sensitive to when the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm, I'm calling you to a fast on Tuesday. I'm calling you to fast on Thursday. I'm calling you to a three-day fast because some things are going on in your marriage. Some things are going on at the job. Some things are going on in this nation. And so you got to develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And when he calls you to a fast, because he's, come on now, he's going to do something supernatural. And, and Brandon asked me after the first experience, he said, what is it that, that causes God to move through fasting? And I told him, if you're taking notes, there are two things. It's desire for the presence of God, and it's a desperation to see God move in your life. God is drawn to desire, and when we get desperate for his presence. And so some real deep Christians will say, uh, 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 well, we shouldn't be asking God for stuff, right? Just, Just that first part of the definition is good. Just we fast to draw near to him. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like, because anytime my kid is near me, right, any of them, guess what they do? They ask, (laughs) right? Our father is the same way. Like, I love them to death. I know you love me. Now, let's get to it. What do you want? (laughs) Are y'all in the house today, church? 
and God feels the same way. What do you need? What do you want? I'm ready to move. And honestly, God is tired of our boring religious religion. Well, I came to church on Sunday. I went to light group. I serve and I gave. He tired of that. That's boring. Sometimes you got to switch it up. You got to do something different. Right. There are certain doors in your life that you've been praying that they would open, that they would open, that they would open, that they would open. Wife, husband, job, career. It ain't happened yet because you have not been fasting. You have not been fasting. There's a story in the Bible. The disciples have been given the power to cast out Satan and, and to heal the sick and to raise the dead. And they, they encounter this boy who has a suicidal spirit. It's another thing I meant to mention last week, that suicide is a demonic spirit that oppresses and possesses. So whenever someone's dealing with that, we really need to zone in and care well, love well, help them out, pray for them, get them the help that they need. It is a spirit. You see this in the story with the man um, who, who had a legion. Jesus encountered a, a man who was, who was possessed by demons, and he asked the man, he said, what is your name? And the man, and the Bible says that the man said, but they said through him that we are, we are legion for many of us are in this man. And so they said, do you come to destroy us right now? Um, son of God, he said, "Uh, uh-uh. he said, well, the, the Bible says that all of those demons legion and a legion is thousands. So there are thousands of demons in one man. And uh, they, they begged Jesus. They said, please cast us into those pigs over there. Please don't destroy us right now. You see how scared the devil is of Jesus? He said, please don't destroy us right now. Cast us into those pigs. And so he said, okay, get out the man. So before they did, they did a little cheap shot. They shrieked them and threw them to the ground. And then they went into the pigs. And the first thing the pigs did was they ran off the edge of the cliff and killed themselves. That reveals to you right there that it's not all medicinal. It's not all psychological. It's dark. It's demonic. But as Christians, we have the power to help people, to pull them out of the dark, to pull them out of the dirt, to introduce them to Jesus, to the one who can heal them. And so sometimes we need to be fasting for our relatives and fasting for mom and fasting for uncle and fasting for our dad. We need to be fasting for these people so that they would get free. So Jesus sees the demon and the little boy, throw him a few times, cast the demon out. Later on that day, the disciples asked, they said, why couldn't we do it? And this was his answer, Mark 9, 29. So he said to them, here it is, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and, someone finish that, fasting. This kind. There's a this kind that you've been trying to pray down. But this is the truth of God's word. This is the truth. Prayer doesn't always get the job done. There are seasons and days where you must empty yourself so that the fullness of God's power would be activated in and through your life. Prayer, church, offering, giving, serving. No, it ain't, it ain't working. It ain't working. You got to do something different, right? Certain struggles won't break. Certain addictions won't break. Certain doors will not open. Certain clarity, certain calls of purpose, certain prophetic vision, certain dreams will not come to you unless you become a faster. You got to fast. 
before every major decision, I'd encourage you, don't just pray, but throw a day of fasting on it. When God spoke to me at Gaithersburg High School, we were living in Florida about where to plant this church. We had fasted for a week before we came to Maryland. And I came here searching for an answer. God, where are we starting this church? I'm in that season right now with our next location. I'm praying and, and I'm fasting and I'm researching and I'm hustling and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, what's the demographic and what, what's the salaries and, and where are the buildings at, Lord? I'm passing and I'm praying because I know eventually he's going to give the answer. Prayer does not always work. You got to throw a fast on it. Come on, put your hands together, church. 8.30 was quiet, but y'all got some extra sleep. Put your hands together in here at 10 o'clock. You got to fast. Number five, move. You got to move. Now, I don't mean cities. I mean exercise. Exercise. Someone say exercise. Exercise. It says this here. Third John 1, 2 says, dear friend, this is John, uh, the disciple, who's writing to another church leader. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. You see that? Our God is a holistic God. It's not just strong in spirit, but it's also healthy in body, right? And, and so in our home, like my wife, man, she's for months, she's been on. She's been on her workout tip. She's been dieting, and I've just been watching her. I've been being inspired by her. We're seeing the results of it, and, and, and I've just been inspired and moved by how consistent she has been. And this is the reality of spiritual warfare, everybody. Understand this, is that your physical health either elevates your faith or it weighs it down. They go hand in hand. And that's why John said, I pray that you're not just reading and growing the church because you can grow the church. You can minister to people. You can pray for people, but be dying yourself. You can wear bigger clothes because you're not showing that you're gaining weight and you're stressed out. People are being blessed by you. But he said, brother, I pray that you're healthy in body because if you're healthy in body, you can you can keep going under the weight of the calling and all of you, come on now, all of you have calling. All of you have purpose. And all of you are going higher. But I'm going to tell you, the more success that you garner, the heavier it is. So you, you got to get in shape. And sometimes it's not the Bible, not worship, not church. Sometimes it's a poor diet. Poor time management. Or it's unhealthy habits that undermine our faith. So I want to give you just a, a few points of encouragement here. A few practical things that you should do begin to do i would even say today number one i want to encourage you to move 30 minutes a day it doesn't have to be lifting weights it could be a brisk walk it could be a jog the weather's beautiful get out the house clear your mind clear your mind clear your mind do, do some weight resistance at least three days a week get started y'all i was so desperate this morning i, I finally got up and i said i'm gonna do it I'm going to do it. My wife been doing it. I'm going to get up. Y'all, I was so desperate to work out again. This is because I've been off like six or seven months. I was so desperate. I got up. The Holy Spirit said, get up. I said, God, it's cold. <laughs> he said, get up. I said, okay. He said, go to the basement. I said, but Lord, I ain't taking off my pajamas. <laughs> he said, that's cool. Put on your shoes. 
So I worked out with my pajamas and my shoes. And I was on that treadmill. And I was doing my weights. <clears throat> but it's a start. Someone say it's a start. I want to encourage you to drink plenty of water. I want to encourage you no eating heavy after 7 p.m. And as my mom's been preaching all my life, take your vitamins, baby. <laughs> Number six, church. Someone say church. Church. This is what Jesus said. We're almost done. Y'all okay? All right. He said this here. I will build my church, that being us. Here it is. Here's spiritual warfare. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will build my church and all the powers of hell, all the schemes of Satan will not conquer your life when you're rooted in the church. You need a healthy church. You need a strong church. You need a growing church. You need church that has vision. You need church that's moving forward. You, you, you need church. Most of us will attest that you are at the end of your rope. You was ready to give up. You are ready to give up on life, give up on future, give up on your potential. Some of you give up on your marriages until God called you back to his house. Until he called you back to his house. And we give a lot of credit to the Lord. We should, we should, we should. But guess what? God, all, the, the, the devil uses people to hurt you, but God uses people to heal you. And now you're a completely different person because you found your community. And you still struggle. I do too. We're in it together. But that's the power in it. We're in it together. In nine years of pastoring, there's been a common denominator <clears throat> of all of the issues that people go through and try to find freedom from. There's been one thing at the root of it that I've identified for nine years. And it's that most people are struggling because they are alone. They're alone. So you need, to, you need it every Sunday. Someone say every Sunday. You need to be serving. We got super steps at 4 p.m. I encourage you to sign up. You need to be in a group throughout the week. You need this thing because the devil doesn't take one day off. So you want to be rooted in the house of God. And number seven, I want to encourage you to accept. Accept. I want to encourage you to accept. Here it is. This is what you accept. Accept the love of God every single morning for you. Accept the love of God. God loves you and he adores you. And you got to stop in the middle of getting ready, in the middle of after you brush your teeth and, and while you're making your bed and just think, the Lord adores me. The Lord loves me. He loves me today. You don't hear it enough from people, but you need to accept and remind yourself, I am loved by God. And he showed his love by sending his son to die on a cross for my sin. Remind yourself, because this is what the enemy is going to do first thing in the morning. He's going to lie to you, and he's going to make suggestions. But you got to remind him, no, 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 devil. John 3, 16, God loves me. Right. Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a future for me. Romans 8, 28, God is working all things out for my good. God loves me. Come on, church, if you know God loves you. Ah, uh, come on, do you know God loves you today? God loves you.